you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Vidite ako se napravi greška, tako ki bude kobna, nema vraćanja nazad. So, Europe need to to remain more sexyple lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izvinite grajke. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of monocausal explanations, so there's a variety of reasons as to why the red wave did not happen. Part of it is, I think there was because polling has been so bad here in the past several cycles uh, that a lot of pollsters kind of built in, uh, you know, more towards the uh, 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 points more towards the Republicans. Uh, I think Trump, though, is part of the issue. He's I think we we can all agree that he has been he's, he's a narcissist. He's nasty. He's got an ego um, and he's yeah. just wearing out his welcome. And and he's lost. I mean, elections are about winning. And if you want to govern, you have to win. And this applies to Macedonia, this applies to the United States, this applies to any country that has what we would consider to be pretty free and fair and open elections. Uh, and he picked, he endorsed a large number of candidates and high profile candidates this year and then um, didn't support them financially. He raised $100 million dollars. And spent fifteen million dollars of his own of the money that he raised for them. Mitch McConnell, who a lot of Republicans hate and a lot of MAGA Republicans really hate, raised hundreds of millions of dollars and spent it on candidates that that he thought were actually going to win. And um, so I can let me let me speak to uh, to Arizona as a specific. Yeah, that's the issue that he didn't since give I live here. to Arizona. <laughs> since right. I live here, um, by the way, we should probably you know uh, in in the um, in the long, the time uh, tested uh, um, and honored tradition of uh, Zed education. I don't know if you ever watched that, uh, those videos, uh, Tyler Zed. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, we'll have to, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Tyler Zed. Uh, he's got a show every twice a week and it's about 20, 25 minutes of, um, of memes uh, that he finds from the net. And he's a conservative. And uh, the game is if you laugh at any of them, you lose and you've got to do something that he, he says. And, but he, but he, but the the today is Sunday, the thirteenth uh, of November. So he begins the Sunday episode with uh, with Nancy Pelosi. Good morning, Sunday morning. <laughs> her, her famous uh, brain fart with uh, in her interview with George Stephanopoulos uh, some some years ago. Uh, so this is actually uh, episode one forty seven of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast. This is a. Uh, Jason Miko coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Tvitan Sholimanov in Skopje, Macedonia. And we are discussing uh, what was supposed to be a very uh, pleasant and successful night for the uh, Republicans in the U.S. And somehow it didn't came to be. Yes, exactly. So so let's start with, with Arizona. So first of all, I have to point out um, that Florida had a state of emergency last Monday. So today's the 13th. So Monday the 7th, they had a state of emergency because they had a hurricane. I think it was Nicole bearing down on them. Tuesday, they voted. Tuesday night, they reported all of their election results. Wednesday, the hurricane hit. Thursday, 
They started cleaning up Friday. They were done cleaning up. And Arizona is still counting its votes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We so still don't. Third world Sorry. country there. Yeah, it's well, okay. So taking a step back, so the Secretary of State in each of the fifty states is responsible for elections uh, at the federal level, the state level, and and then delegating to the local levels. You know, when it comes to mayoral races and things of that nature, county races. So the county recorder is, but overall, it's the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State in the, Grand, in the Grand Canyon State, the great state of Arizona, is one Katie Hobbs, who also happens to be running for governor of the state of Arizona. So she is uh, currently ahead against uh, Carrie Lake, the television broadcaster, uh, who we all thought would win and win handily, who is a, a MAGA Republican, a Trump Republican, um, to broadly use that definition. Uh, but Katie Hobbs, who should have re- stepped down, resigned before running for governor as Secretary of State because her office is responsible for counting the votes. I'm not saying anything nefarious is going on, but I can tell you, I can promise you, there's a whole lot of incompetence going on right now in Arizona with the way the votes are being counted, and that that has to be uh, corrected. So she should Can I say down. that something nefarious is going on? Sure, you can say whatever you want. My <laughs> <laughs> God, dude. But, okay, but we, we still have, I, I think, still have, I think, again, as of Sunday morning, uh, this is about a little after 9 a.m. I'm recording. We're recording. Uh, what is it? Uh, three, four, five, five p.m. A little after 5 p.m. in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a, a, at least 200,000 votes out in the various counties. Mm-hmm. We have 15 yeah. counties in the state, so it could still go either way. That race, the governor's race, uh, the um, the uh, Senate race was called for Mark Kelly, unfortunately. Uh, Blake Masters. Now here's a good example. So Blake Masters. Endorsed by uh, Donald Trump and Peter Thiel, the uh, the mm-hmm. Silicon Valley tech billionaire. So they spent a lot of money in the primaries to get Blake Masters elected. I voted in the primary for Mark uh, Bernovich, our, our attorney general, who I thought was okay. much better. Very conservative, very electable, very good, mm-hmm. very competent. Uh, Blake Masters won. And then Peter Thiel and Donald Trump didn't spend any money on him. It was the mm-hmm. Heritage Foundation that had to come in and do a seven-figure spend about a month mm-hmm. ago for Blake Masters. And so Donald Trump and Peter Thiel didn't spend, they maybe, maybe they spent a little bit, I, don't, I haven't seen the numbers, but they, they really didn't spend any money to get him elected. And he mm-hmm. was just a, a poor candidate. And this speaks to the issue, going back to what we started with, why was there no red wave? Candidate quality matters. So in Arizona, um, I think Mark Burnovich would have done a much better, would have beat Scott, uh, Mark Kelly, um, Doug Ducey, our governor, uh, who is term limited, and so he'll be stepping down, um, was thinking of running for Senate, but he knew that if, and he had his disagreements with Donald Trump in the 2020 election, he knew that if he ran, he would, he and his, and he's got young kids, his family would be mercilessly pounded by Trump and MAGA Republicans. Um, uh, Chris Sununu, uh, in uh, New Hampshire, same thing. He could have run, uh, for Senate yeah, there. Yeah, he could have uh, didn't want to. Um, and you, you see this in, in other places uh, where we had good, competent, quality candidates that just didn't want to put them. Pat Toomey in, in uh, Pennsylvania could have run again, didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Mehmet Oz ran um, and discovered he was a Republican about 20 minutes after he announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and against a man who cannot speak. You know, <laughs> you know we, we wish John Fetterman a, a, a speedy recovery, uh, but... 
from his stroke in May, uh, which was uh, two or three days before the Democrat primary there. But they, they've elected a man who cannot carry out the duties required by a United States senator. So that yeah. just speaks, I think, to candidate quality. So you had that. You had the issue with polling that was skewed towards Republicans when it shouldn't have been. Uh, but but here, let me let me talk about what I see as the silver lining. So as we speak, the Democrats are going to control the United States Senate. Uh, whether it's going to be 51 or 50 is another question because we go back to, again, as we did two years ago, Georgia. There's going to be a runoff. Georgia has its own weird election laws that you have to – candidate has to clear 50 percent uh, to be elected. Uh, both candidates, Raphael Warnock, the current sitting senator, who is a reverend but certainly does not act like a believer in Jesus Christ uh, – Mm-hmm. Is uh, did not get it. Neither, neither did Herschel uh, Walker, the uh, the uh, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, college football star, forty years ago. Uh, so it'll go to runoff on December six. If the re- if if Herschel Walker wins, then it's a fifty fifty Senate, meaning we, we're at status quo. If if uh, Raphael Warnock wins, then it's fifty one forty nine. Basically, status quo because um, the the Democrats need at least two more senators in order to get rid of the filibuster, which is a, a long, there's another explanation of that, which I won't get into, but two current senators, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, who was up mm-hmm. two years in, in uh, Christian Cinema, who is our other senator from here, from the great state of Arizona, are very much mavericks in the uh, John McCain sense of the word, and uh, won't, won't vote to get rid of the filibuster. So anyway... So that's the Senate. On the House, we're inching up. It's still 211 to 204 right now. The magic number is 218. There's 435 members of the United States House of Representatives. Republicans need uh, 211 minus 7. We'll get that. But it's going to be by the slimmest of slim margins. Uh, It's it's going to be even slimmer than the current Democrat lead is. Uh, So uh, it'll probably be 220. You need 218 to 220. Yeah, two seats. I mean... Now we're now we're getting into Macedonian politics here, talking about you know one seat majority or something like that. Um, yeah. But but this is good for the country, and I'll tell you why. It produces gridlock. Nothing can get done, and that's good news. Mm-hmm. We don't want the Democrats and uh, their president, the, the president of the United States, I should say he's my president too, uh, to uh, be able to advance their agenda. And if the Republicans hold the House, uh, they cannot advance their agenda. Now. Having said that, if in the next two years a couple of uh, Republicans fall out of windows <laughs> yep. and get replaced by Democrats, then the House mm. could could change hands. We, we've seen the Senate change hands before because of weird things like that, not because of anybody fell out a window, but other issues. So that that is possible. Um, but if there's gridlock, nothing gets done, the Democrats can't advance their agenda, and here's the other good thing. So Joe Biden gave a speech the other day. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is crowing. Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate, is crowing. They are all very much high on their own farts right now, and they think mm. that that this is an this is an uh, an endorsement of the Democrat uh, policy agenda for the past two years. It is not. Uh, Joe Biden, who can barely walk and talk these days, uh, is probably going to run again for president, which is good for Republicans, which is good for the nation, because he can't win. Uh, up against somebody like, say, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, um, uh, or just about anybody else, whether or not he can run against, whether or not he can beat Donald Trump, whether or not Donald Trump runs again, is still an open question. So Donald Trump has a major announcement on Tuesday, the fifteenth of this month. So in two days, he said it's going to be one of the most important speeches in American history. Which, okay, 
Uh, we've been around for 240-some-odd years. Uh, it's, we've had a lot of speeches by a lot of people and a lot of presidents. And probably, this probably is not going to be uh, one of the most important speeches. Uh, mm. Now, the thought was that he was going to announce that he's running for president. Now, does he do that or not? I don't know. Um, he, there, there's, if, you, if you formally announce that you're running for president of the United States, there's a number of legal and financial financial obligations and issues that come to the fore that a candidate uh, has to comply with, not only at the federal level, but then at the state level. And in order to qualify for ballots on the state, to, to be on the ballot on the state for president, because um, we, we do our elections by 50 states, uh, there, there's a number of issues that have to be complied with, and I have no idea what those are. You'd have to talk to an election lawyer. Uh, so whether or not he actually announces he's going to run, or maybe he just says, I intend to run in 2024. He wants to keep other people out of the race. Uh, who knows? Um, maybe he's going to say something else. Maybe you know. Maybe he's going to say, "I'm not going to run," <laughs> which which then it would this be one of the most important <laughs> speeches given in United States history. Uh, but but we'll see. I mean, he's just this past week he was again already attacking Governor Ron DeSantis, the, the star um, governor of Florida, who won by 20 points. Two, four years ago when Ron DeSantis won against Andrew Gillum, who turned out to be a, a gay crackhead uh, in the Democrat Party, uh, two, four years ago, Ron DeSantis won by less than a half a percentage point, 30,000 votes. This time he won by 1.5 million votes. Yeah. Uh, he is a star. And, he can, and the, the Florida legislature is Republican now. And the reason that Florida can count all of its votes in, you know, within, you know, five or six hours is because of the debacle in 2000 with the hanging chads and the yeah. the, uh, the election that that eventually went to George W. Bush, um, and they and a lot of credit. We all like to laugh at him and make fun of him, but a lot of credit goes to Jeb Bush, who was governor of Florida, and then turned things around and said, "We're gonna we're gonna clean this up. This is ridiculous for us to be the laughing stock of the country." Yet now Arizona gets to be the laughing stock of the country, yeah. um, as well as Nevada and some parts of California who are still having some issues in counting votes as well, uh, but. Trump was attacking Ron DeSantis this week, and then he started attacking Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, who won last year, without the help of uh, Donald Trump. Uh, because Trump did not come into the state of Virginia and campaign for Glenn, Glenn was able to thread that needle and, and get Trump MAGA votes as well as others. So why is he attacking, you know, a lot of our listeners won't know this, and, and let me just take a quick step back. Sven, I've been following politics in this country closely for 42 years, over four decades. Most of our listeners were not alive 42 years ago. <laughs> Some were, but I, I'll bet you most weren't. Uh, I've been playing in the sandbox for an awful long time. I used to be very involved in politics, of, you know, working on campaigns and things like that. So it's, it's, it's an area I know about. And I'm, I know, yes, ad admission is the first, uh, admission of my addiction is the first step on the road to recovery, yes. Uh, but... Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, 42 years in politics and... Oh, yeah. The 11th Commandment. The 11th Commandment is from Ronald Reagan. Thou shalt not attack thy fellow Republican. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know... And, and why? I know why he's attacking Ron DeSantis, because he, he, he fears a challenge from... Trump fears a challenge from Ron DeSantis in the, in the presidential race. But right now, Ron DeSantis has other things to worry about. So the Florida legislature meets for two months out of a year. So each state legislature has its own rules and whatnot. Some meet year-round, some meet part-time, part uh, etc. Uh, a lot of them, the, uh, the members of the legislature have day jobs, and then they, you know, they legislate. 
the Republican mm-hmm. session. And Florida's session, I think, is March, April. It's like two months, which is amazing. So he's not going to do, Ron DeSantis isn't going to do anything before he gets that behind him. So we're looking at, you know, mm-hmm. May, June before he would even think about announcing. But, but Donald Trump is trying to keep Ron DeSantis from running uh, or announcing or thinking. Or actually, what the Trump team wants is for Ron DeSantis to scrape and bow before Donald Trump and pay fealty to him. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's, that's all a mess. I mean, we, we don't need this. Um, the, re, the Democrats are going to, um, uh, uh, act like that, you know, this, this was a victory for them. They're going to get cocky. They already are cocky. I mean, look, nothing lasts forever. At some point, these United States of America will be free from both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And that'll be a good day for the Republic. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need, I mean, we've got Joe Biden turns 80 this month. 80. Nancy Pelosi is 81. Chuck Schumer is approaching 80, the leader of the Senate. Uh, Mitch McConnell is approaching 80. The uh, majority, uh, Chuck Schumer is the majority leader. Uh, Mitch McConnell is the Republican uh, leader of the, the Republicans in the Senate. Uh, these are ancient, ancient people. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, need, we need new, fresh, young blood, and we've got it. We've got it in spades in the Republican Party. I don't know about the Democrats, and I don't care about the Democrats. Uh, but we need, we need this, we, we need new leadership. We need competent people. We need winners. You know, what was the, what was, who was the actor a few years ago? The, uh, Sean, was it Sean Penn or, um, no, the, uh, the, uh, Estevez kid. Um, uh-huh. uh, I mean, there is Emilio Estevez and, uh, what was his name? What his father, you mean his father, Martin Sheen? Charlie Sheen? Martin Sheen, Charlie Sheen, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he had public meltdowns. And his, his thing was winning. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, I mean, you got to win if you want to govern. You got to win, uh, and mm-hmm. and that and that and that also invites a little bit of compromise, which for purists like me is sometimes a dirty word. But you, you can't govern if you don't win. Um, I remember Jim Dement, the former U.S. senator who became president mm-hmm. of the Heritage Foundation for a while, said he'd rather have thirty conservative senators yeah. in the in the Senate than sixty. Republican rhinos. A rhino is Republican in name only. Yeah. No, no. I, I think I'd rather have the 60 rhinos that could at least, you know, there's some compromise here, a bit of horse trading. That's what politics is all about. Uh, a little, little uh, you know, dark room with with uh, cigars, and, and that's the way it works. Uh, so, uh, yeah, to advance your agenda, absolutely. So, anyway, um, that is my... my, my Detailed... Yeah, thirty thousand foot, Overview, ten thousand meter yeah. perspective of, of it's it's not as bad as we think. As long as we keep the house, we need. And I think, we'll, I mean, my own congressman Juan Siscomani um, uh, is uh, about thirteen hundred votes ahead right now, with ninety two percent of the votes tallied in against a really extreme liberal leftist mm-hmm. progressive Democrat. Uh, uh, Engel, I think it's Karen Engel. Uh, so, hopefully, he'll win. Um, where where are the votes not being counted in your city? Mm. I mean, I've been to Tucson and a bit to Phoenix. Uh, yeah, they we, look we, like normal, yeah, sensible you, cities, not like Philadelphia, not like Baltimore, a place where you can just do whatever you want to win. Pennsylvania or, I don't know, Michigan, De- Detroit and Michigan. Uh, what neighborhoods do you not have the results for? That's a great question. I actually don't know because the 6th the District, which is my district, uh, we have nine, nine congressional districts in the great state of Arizona. Uh, we, cause we just had redistricting throughout the country. So every 10 years based on the census, you redo the lines of the, of the, all of the, you know, the federal districts, the uh, state legislatures, things of that nature. 
So this district encompasses uh, part of Tucson, part of Oro Valley, where I live, if not the whole mm-hmm. of Oro Valley, and then going um, south and east down towards the border with both Mexico and New Me- the state of New Mexico, mm-hmm. which encompasses um, Cochise County, um, Fort Huachuca military base. Military is always uh, Sierra Vista, which is the city that they're military is always Republican. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then the rural, the ranchers and others who are, vote Republican as well. So, a lot of votes from there. The question is, how many of those votes are out versus how many from the greater Tucson area? Tucson, unfortunately, is is run by Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we'll see. It, it it just depends. I think that the uh, the trend though is is pretty good. I think we will we will get that seat. Uh, the no, but what what did the I don't know county authorities say? What was the reason that you don't have the results? A week after the election, almost. I mean, we we had, uh, as you said, we have a limit, a divided parliament here, uh, <laughs> which after the 2020 elections, during which we had a curious outage of the state electoral commission, the computers and everything. Mm-hmm. They said it's, it did not affect the counting; it affected the uh, just the vis- vis- visible front end part of the website. Nothing important. But then we got very curious results afterwards. And this is considered the worst election in our time by in terms of uh, organizing and, uh, you know, veracity of the results. And yet this was all in the span of one evening. Our, the problem with the election was that we did not have the results by 10, 30, 11, which is customary. Mm-hmm. It was by, I don't know, one in the morning. <laughs> you, you are now, what, days after the election. What's the reason they cannot count the vote? Uh- yeah, it's a good question. I don't, I don't actually know. I mean, now the other thing is, you know, one of the things that um, COVID produced, at least here in America, was this idea yeah. of er- early voting and mail-in voting. Now, I, I admit, I do uh, mail-in voting. I get an early about it, and then I mm-hmm. fill it out, and it sits around on my table for, you know, another week, and then I finally get it in just in time. Um, I don't like it. Uh, and so, yes, yeah. I, I confess I'm a bit of a hypocrite there. Um, I think we should get rid of early voting and mail-in voting unless you take the time to go down and prove, yes, look, I'll be out of the country, you know, and here's here's the proof, or, you know, or if you're in the hospital or something like that. So it's these mail-in ballots, the early ballots. Um, a lot of people, like I just said, like me, you know, will get their ballot in the mail, and then they take it down to the, the voting booths on voting day. And so in addition to everybody that shows up to vote in line, then the the tabulators have all of these literally it's an envelope a big envelope with your ballot in it uh that you know then has to be tabulated as well and so i think there were a lot of folks like that at least here in arizona uh that did that uh our our friend john gabriel who's up in mesa which is the phoenix area was talking on a podcast the ricochet ricochet podcast Mm -hmm. yesterday that i was listening to and, and said basically the same thing that you know a lot of people just bring in their ballots that day and then for whatever reason this doesn't excuse the incompetence of the Secretary of State of Arizona and those that work for her that are responsible for this. But it, yeah. it, if it, it is incompetence, it, it's incompetence. Yeah, it, I mean, ultimately, it's incompetence. If, I mean, Florida. If it is. Yeah, well, I think it is. Uh, I mean, 
I mean, look, I'm not going to relitigate the election of 1960 in which uh, John Kennedy stole the election from Richard Nixon, <laughs> but but it is it is well known that that it probably was stolen. Uh, but it takes a lot to, to steal an election, especially uh, you know at the presidential level. I suppose that the if for the local dog if you're voting for local dog catcher, uh, you might be able to manipulate a, a few votes here and there, especially if um, especially if uh, you know there's. A, just a, a handful of votes, and I mean, we have. Here's a quick aside. We have a wonderful city, town, I should say, up in northern Arizona, in the white in the White Mountains, called Sholo, S H O W, and then L O W, Sholo. And uh, the the story is that um, uh, there was an election uh, for whatever local local uh, position, and candidates won. Uh, you know, had equal number of votes, and so they decided to sought to uh, to. Uh, award the election they got out a deck of 52 cards and each guy uh, took a card and it was the the guy that had the lowest card won that's why you show low um, mm-hmm. so uh-huh. uh you know and, and and there have been other stories like that throughout the ages throughout the ages throughout the years here in america at various levels mostly local levels where you got weird little things like that where an election is determined by that so yes at that level i suppose you could you could probably manipulate an election but the interesting thing actually though is that as you look around and, and see all these these tight races and those that have been chosen or determined by just you know a, a, you know a few thousand votes, you're not hearing a lot of the uh, the election was stolen rhetoric coming from from candidates. Um, mm-hmm. Blake Masters uh, is currently losing by 130 thousand votes to Mark Kelly. That's mm-hmm. you, you you can't you know that's that's hard to manipulate. You're, you're not going to be able to. To uh, to claim that that was stolen, uh, so um, oh, I don't know where I was going with that. I mean, that itself was a curious development. That, Which one? Uh, Sorry, there is not that much outrage from the right side. There is not that much complaining that the election was stolen, mm-hmm. uh, which raises another issue. I mean, uh, that it's. Uh, that a lot of the people in the GOP are happy that uh, they uh, that a number of candidates lost the election. Who they're now tr- quickly try- tying to Trump, uh, and uh, that uh, they're using this defeat or the, the absence of the red wave. St- I mean, the GOP still won uh, the House probably, and very status quo bellum in the Senate, uh, but they are. Um, now able to mount an attack on Trump, and uh, this now looks like uh, uh, the preferred outcome for many in the party, and that's why there is not that much much outrage. Although I mean, I, I see a lot of comments from the right, right. Let's see the Trump right. Mm-hmm. They're calling it the selection, not the election. Uh, they're, uh, and I mean, I, I'm, uh, I guess everybody is kind of. The people who were in the know, uh, who were prepared for this outcome, they're going after Trump. While the other side, you know, we have several tweets from Trump going after uh, uh, the candidates who, you know, going after uh, DeSantis. And maybe Yankin, I guess maybe there, there were several defeats in Virginia where I think the GOP was hoping to win. Not sure if these were endorsed by Trump, so maybe this is the reason. Maybe he felt that, you know, uh, McConnell did not support Blake Masters enough with uh, funding. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not the job of Peter Thiel to fund him. It's not the job of uh, 
Trump or of uh, heritage, it's the job of uh, the Republican Senate uh, committee, right? Uh, they are the ones who collect the money for the campaign. I mean, of course, everybody can chip in. But um, so uh, on the right, right, they are not as aggressive with this narrative. But uh, I mean, in my sense, they, they should be. I mean, this is very clear that uh, a lot of people who we consider as uh, Trumpers, who should be on the same team with both the Trump candidates of the GOP and the non-Trump candidates, in the GOP are, you know, very, uh, they were, I, I, I said this, I watched the, the Daily Wire backstage uh, show the, day, the morning after the elections mm -hmm. were at night here. I wake up, I see it's going well. It was still going well uh, early time, Macedonia time. And then I uh, start, I realize it's not going as well. And I turn on the Daily Wire and I expected to see people who are shocked, who are amazed and... Uh, were angry and then you know maybe in a few days we can start we can see this develop into a post post mortem where the party went wrong what went wrong who was who's to blame and maybe it would naturally flow to Trump being at fault for the weak candidates we ran in the places where we were supposed to win so we got cocky and etc <laughs> but just just as the first results start coming in I see the the hosts they have a list of uh, Races I didn't pay attention to, I didn't know about, mm -hmm. and they already know, oh, look, we're losing here, it's because of Trump. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, we're losing here, it's a guy who Trump endorsed and, uh, you know, the rest of the party was squeamish about. So it was very prepared for me. It was very uh, or choreographed. And I was joking, okay, it's not the uh, Daily Wire backstage, it's the Daily Wire backstab. <laughs> <laughs> And then they had like Megan Kelly in, and she was not in on the story, but she was also prepared for this. Mm -hmm. So we had a fight, Megan Kelly, Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is all out saying uh, it's Trump's fault, let's get rid of Trump. And Megan says, listen, don't get ahead of your skis. He's still by far the most popular person in the party. Even uh, we'll just split the party, we'll divide it. He'll still, uh, you know, destroy DeSantis in, in a primary if uh, this is how we try to play it or you try to play it uh, or the establishment wing of the party tries to play it and uh, we'll just hand the, the Dems uh, 2024 as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is, I mean, uh, this is my thinking that the GOP did not do enough and then we still have, have you know, it's very, very naive to ascribe to incompetence or you know, foolishness or whatever, the fact that we are now having, uh, after 2020, we have another election where, uh, you know, some races where they can fortify, I think is the term used for the elections, <laughs> for the rigging of the elections, where they can fortify the election in Philadelphia to no end. Okay, fine, that's, they, don't, they can do it in the same evening. Mm -hmm. In places where you don't have like the sprawling, ghettos there there are no ghettos in uh, of that size in phoenix or in tucson uh it probably takes them a while to fortify the elections well mm -hmm. <laughs> to the point they they want to so i mean it's unacceptable that it's five days later they don't have the result yeah yeah Truly no is. yeah i completely agree with you on 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 that that it's that there needs to be some major reform of um <laughs> The, uh, the counting and the procedures, et cetera. I, as I said, mail-in ballots are an issue. 
early ballots, early voting is an issue. Uh, uh, and, and there are things you can do to, to, to correct that, I think. Obviously, Florida is a perfect example. A uh, couple of things, though. I, I don't think I don't think I haven't seen any Republicans that said, "Oh, I'm happy that such and such a Republican lost the Senate or such and such a Republican lost the House." I haven't seen that, and mm -hmm. I'm certainly not happy that Blake Masters lost or that Mehmet um, yeah. Oz lost. I want I want them to win, as I said earlier. If you're going to govern, you gotta you gotta have a majority and you gotta win, uh, even if I don't agree. I'm look. There's there's nobody that I agree with 100 percent on in terms of, of political um, uh, candidates or or elected politicians, but you got to win. So to your point on um, Trump and Peter Thiel not funding races, no, I would say that it's their obligation to fund. They, they went out, they raised money. Mm -hmm. You can go back and look at at least Trump, you know, look at his fundraising appeals, etc. And if you're raising money, you should spend it on the candidates that you endorse. And everybody is responsible for that. We have what are called PACs, political action committees. Uh, maybe we should introduce this into Macedonia. <laughs> uh, a lot of people yeah. are, are, are are divided on on PACs, and they call it dark money and things like that. There are there are candidate affiliated PACs, there's party affiliated PACs, and then there's unaffiliated PACs uh, that, in theory, raise a whole bunch of money. An unaffiliated PAC, for instance, raises a whole bunch of money and spends it on behalf of candidate X, but there's no coordination between that candidate and the PAC. They don't talk to each other. They don't do anything. But the PAC puts out commercials that says, um, you know, uh, candidate X is a great person, blah, blah, blah. Uh, or the person running against candidate X is a horrible person, etc. to sim oversimplify it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say that, no, Peter Thiel and Donald Trump and PACs affiliated with them, etc. had an absolute obligation to fund these candidates. The problem was the candidates were, you know, sketchy. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean... Mehmet Oz isn't even, I don't know if he's a Pennsylvania resident or not, uh, but he, he was a television star. He wasn't a candidate. So I wasn't a politician. So uh, Fetterman, f for all of his faults, was actually, is actually the lieutenant governor of the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, uh. So he, he's, uh, he is an elected official. So, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, going back to the issue of, uh, being happy about people losing, no, I don't think anybody is. And, and again, going back to the issue of, of Trump, he, you know, here's okay. Let me take it. Let me take a further step back. The the irony of this, Svetin, is that the name of this podcast is the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. Mm -hmm. Now we get that name from uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, <laughs> who uh, you know blamed uh, Macedonian content farmers for her loss. Mm -hmm. She claimed a lot of Democrats. There's a YouGov poll out uh, that came out after the 2016 election, and I'd have to find the results. But a, a large percentage of Democrats believe the 2000 elect, 2016 election was stolen, just as a percentage of Republicans believe the 2020 elections were stolen. But the reason that we, we have called this the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast is because Mark Stein, a wonderful uh, conservative, you know, had that little spiel about who Hillary Clinton yeah. was blaming, including Macedonian content farmers for losing the election. I mean, as late as as recently as 2019, Hillary yeah. Clinton was still saying the illegitimate election of 2016. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that reflects badly, I think, on the Democrats, certainly on Hillary Clinton and on others that continue to deny the results of the 2016 election. It was extremely close in 2016. 
2020 was extremely close. And the reason, uh, you know, and again, I go back, I think, well, I'm sure we've mentioned this on a podcast in the past, that if Donald Trump had handled COVID better, if he hadn't come out and said, oh, it'll be gone in two weeks, you know, back in March of 2020, uh, if he had handled it better, I think he would he'd still be president today. I mean, that's, that, I think that was a, you can't underestimate, that was a huge, huge issue. Um, but anyway, that's, that's in the past. Uh, so. No, but it's I, not in the past if it, uh, if it is going to keep repeating, if it's going to keep happening again and again. So you have a chronic problem of uh, uh, large states which, where you, the GOP should win, like Michigan and Pennsylvania and has won under Trump uh, the first time around, which have this huge city which is a hellhole. I mean, I, as we say here, I wouldn't tie a dog to a lamppost uh, <laughs> in, in Philadelphia or, right. uh, or Detroit. And they still get to hold their own elections without uh, you know, oversight from the government. And, and who, are, who are you going to send to, the, to do the oversight? The FBI are going to, are going to investigate organized election ballot stuffing. And uh, I mean, if anything, they might investigate uh, Florida, maybe, if they, if they turn on DeSantis. They're not going to investigate uh, Taft in uh, democratic uh, states. And um, I mean, this is a big deal. You have a polarizing country and it's going to keep getting polarized, except that, okay, maybe now for a while or maybe for the whole two years, we're going to shift this polarization to the GOP because at the moment the Trump wing is mostly holding their powder dry, they're not attacking. The, the non-Trump wing and some people who were not supposed to be in the non-Trump wing, I mean, we have the New York Post jumping in on uh, attacking Trump. Uh, I mean, I did not see that coming. I mean, I could see the American Enterprise Institute, I can see uh, the Daily Wire guys, but I did not see the New York Post doing this. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is going to keep uh, festering. And uh, I, I, I was not a Trump guy. I, uh, in 2015, 2016, I was dismayed that he's going to win, mm-hmm. uh, that he's going to be the nominee. I thought he's going to lose, uh, first and foremost. And Macedonia was in such a difficult situation at the time. We desperately needed at least a neutral administration in the U.S. to stop the uh organized very active colored revolution attacks on uh, the macedonian government which included rigging elections with the full coordination of the u.s embassy i mean this is undeniable and doubtless true i mean this is common knowledge to anybody here that the u.s government that its diplomats were micromanaging results in uh, our equivalent of philadelphia or detroit getting the ghettos to vote not for the usual party but for a different party so that they can even out the results between the two main Macedonian parties and then uh, micromanaging the coalition making and then, uh, uh, you know, arresting members of parliament when they still fell short of uh, two-thirds majority. So I don't really see why why they wouldn't do it over there if they're doing it here and in God knows how many other countries uh, that it's happening. If anything, I expect that the democratives and the, their diplomats, who are all in the same ideological and political com- uh, complex, and the intelligence community, if anything, they're exchanging notes, mm-hmm. um, at, at least exchanging notes, if not directly coordinating actions. So uh, what do we do now? Do we, um, I mean, 
ideally we would have had a Trump DeSantis ticket in 2024 or a DeSantis Trump Jr. ticket in the old feudal fashion of Game of Thrones. Okay, maybe the old, the Mad King steps down, but we have uh, his young, uh, young the youngling uh, running for vice president. I, I, or, you know, a Trump. I, I can't comment on that because I've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's the usual feudal yeah, stuff, yeah. you know, exchange of hostages, intermarriage of political families, blah, 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 you, you know how it works. Well, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, the, the, the U.S. government, the federal government, uh, again, the, the, the elections are left to the states. Uh, the U.S. Constitution says that the U.S., the, the federal government can determine what day the elections for the House and the Senate and the president will be held. But it's up to the states to organize them. So you got 50 states, the secretaries of states to organize them. Federal government, believe it or not, I know you may not believe this, but doesn't interfere in those. That's up. There's one interference. There's plenty of people at the local level that can interfere. Um, but I want to go back to Florida because if you look at the the actual results of the election uh, in terms of who voted for Ron DeSantis, won uh, all but five counties, including Miami-Dade, which is a heavily Democrat county. Uh, he won major. I think a majority of Hispanics. Uh, you know, uh, I think also women and independents. Uh, so if you just go down the list and see who that who he was able to get to vote for him and the Republicans, and the Republicans have a supermajority now in the state legislature. And the bottom line is it it's because of good governance. In the past four years, he actually did things that people that cut that for the people for the people of the state of Florida that cut across party lines or class or gender or anything else. People mm-hmm. said he's an, he's a competent and from all I've heard from everything I've heard he's an he's a he's a policy wonk, a bit nerdy and he knows the stuff. He's done his homework and he governs well. Uh apparently he's a little bit socially awkward but that's okay. Uh it's more important that he's a good governor and and people across party lines voted for him and voted for the Republicans. In places like you know Detroit now, Detroit of course is becoming, if it isn't already, it's becoming majority Muslim. Uh, now, I would I would think that Muslims can make common cause with conservatives, especially conservative Christians, on issues of the culture wars. Uh, they don't want their kids being transed. They don't want uh, drag queen story hour going on in their schools. They don't want. The, the pronoun wars going on in their schools. And we've already seen Muslims actually go to school boards and complain about this loudly, vocally. We should be able to make common cause with them on this, just as with Hispanics across the country. And and I hate the word Hispanic because <clears throat> yeah, my, yeah. my brother-in-law is a Mexican, okay? So now yeah. he, he was actually born in Mexico. He's a U.S. citizen, obviously. But if, if you ask him, what are you? His first answer is going to be, I'm an American. <laughs> so, mm. uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, Mexico, Ethnic uh, Hispanics who are Mexican versus Venezuelan versus Puerto Rican versus Cuban versus, you know, pick your country that that speaks Spanish. Uh, You can't just dump them all into the same category, which is what the Democrats have always believed, that you can do that and they'll automatically vote Democrat. Same thing with Asians. Um, You just can't do that. It doesn't work that way anymore. Um, And as, as, you know, as, for instance... um, Cubans come to America, Florida, and and start working, etc. They identify more with the Republican Party than the Democrat Party. So, 
Mm-hmm. I guess my point is that it's, it, you know, it's good governance that is it, it can be done uh, and you can get people to vote for you if you are a competent uh, executive or a competent politician at whatever elected level. So um, maybe we let's let's touch because this will be very brief. Maybe we can touch a little bit about how these elections affect Macedonian foreign policy uh, because the answer is not at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, divided government, uh, the State Department, of course, runs its own show. It doesn't matter who the president of the United States is when it comes to countries like Macedonia, countries of the Balkans. Uh, when it comes to bigger issues, uh, you know, for instance, let's say, you know, Russia, China, Israel, etc., then there's a little, the, the executive power and the Congress, not meaning the House and the Senate, have a little more influence mm-hmm. and a little more say, etc., but, uh, I know that the new uh, U.S. ambassador has uh, just landed and started tweeting uh, vociferously in uh, Macedonia. There, mm. uh, Angela, Angela. I keep saying Angela. I think I think I'm. I think she's German. Angela yeah. Aguilar, mm-hmm. AA. Uh, so uh, so she started tweeting furiously. Um, what was her first first tweet? I think she says. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, she was doing yeah. some food stuff. Oh yeah, then, but happy, she's back. Happy to be back. Happy to be happy to be back to to North Macedonia and thrilled to be working again with the greatest greatest embassy team. I mean, which I had to respond mm-hmm. to because she, she she had never been in North Macedonia. There was no North Macedonia yeah. then, yeah. just as I say, there is none now. But anyway, uh, she's going to be the same. She's going to do whatever the her bosses and and, and uh, on C Street State Department in Washington says to do, etc. So. Um, yeah, I don't expect any change there. Um, Macedonia is going to... There was some push here on... Uh, I think somebody on the right, actually. Like, okay, Russia is losing. Uh, the GOP is losing. Uh, hey, hey, don't, 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 no... throw the, don't throw Russia and the GOP into the same basket, please. Uh, for our... Uh, I mean... Uh, how should we put this? <laughs> for the... Uh, I mean, for the uh, US security intelligence, uh, aggressive international liberalism, whatever we call this, right. uh, what, whatever the U.S. government is promoting, that it was a good day both domestically and at the uh, Eastern Front, and that uh, Macedonia, obviously, if it has some chance, if it can hope for some turnaround, in uh, either by things changing politically in the U.S. or security situation in Europe changing dramatically uh, with Russia advancing, then uh, it was a bad week for anybody hoping that things would change in Macedonia one way or another. Mm-hmm. Because obviously the U.S. embassy here, the Democratic Party establishment has... And this was my problem with Trump. I wanted to have a more competent conservative, somebody who would have like, uh, uh, who would have all the old uh, diplomats in the State Department who are Republican, uh, promoted by Republican presidents, um, elected president, so it's not just Trump and maybe the Secretary of State appointed by him and then nobody else listens to either of them and runs their own thing and at the, at the least ignores them at the worst, continue foreign policy as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I was a Ted Cruz guy, I was hoping that Ted Cruz would still, you know, have all the um, US diplomats from the GOP era, from the Bush era, who we did not see as enemies of Macedonia as hostile mm-hmm. as 
so friendly to the Albanian cause or every other cause in the region which is against our national interests, that maybe, you know, Ted Cruz's president would st- we would get like a, a neutral to maybe even favorable U.S. administration and we would preserve a Macedonian government instead mm-hmm. of whatever this is that we have now. Um, so uh, that's not, I mean... Uh, even if the GOP now won the Senate, I doubt that you know something yeah. would change yeah. in foreign policy toward Macedonia. But uh, we, we are we are we've done hoping that there is that uh, anything short of maybe like a Trump victory in the elections, and then he outright appoints a Macedonian as uh, ambassador to Macedonia, and uh, you know mm-hmm. his wife as Secretary of State or something. I don't know. Um, uh, that something would change in U.S. foreign U.S. policy toward the Balkans, where we as Macedonians would get a, a fair shake. Right. I mean, even and uh, it has to be an extreme Republican, uh, you know, uh, ch- change with whatever with with the current foreign policy with the current people in the State Department. So uh, yeah, it was. This is how it was seen by some, uh, and uh, you know, you know, me. My position is that the worse it gets, the better. <laughs> the more maybe people in Macedonia on the left awaken to, I mean, just this week we had, what, we had uh, Albanians uh, advancing on uh, jobs in the public administration that are considered, that really should be uh, technocratic and meritocratic, mm-hmm. like we're talking air traffic control, right. uh, rigged hiring in the air traffic control system with the Albanian director wanting to have uh, uh, you know his people there, uh, so you know this is. But uh, what, what I'm saying, okay, okay it probably we need to have, see a plane crash probably before people mm. start taking the thing, things that are happening in Macedonia seriously, right. or we have uh, talk about another Albanian party joining the coalition, which would now we have an even split of Macedonians and Albanians in the ministry in the government of ministers. And if we add the deputy ministers, there are significantly more Albanians than Macedonians. And if SDSM are forced to add another Albanian coalition partner, it would be a joke. We'll be approaching two-thirds Albanian government, you know, in a country which is two-thirds ethnic Macedonian. And uh, there is like... Uh, so, you know, we're not... I, I prefer talks of strife in the West, maybe having the Western countries occupied between themselves, in which where we have this very funny development in the UK now that the big story in the UK is Albanians coming in with boats and invading the island after, you know, the UK was very loudly and strongly supportive of the Albanian cause in the Balkans. So the response here among Christian Slavs in the Balkans is, well, you know, great. (laughs) You (laughs) You get what you deserve. Have some. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you know, if the U.S. is now entering a stage of uh, infighting, even more tensions, at least it will be dealing with itself and not inflicting actively damage to other countries, except that, you know, the way things are going, the damage will be mostly within the Republican Party with infighting and recriminations. And is it going to be fixed until 2024? So you can have either a unity ticket a Santis uh, Trump Jr. unity ticket, or, you know, maybe they get married, like uh, somebody from the, like, I don't know how old are, Glenn Youngkin's uh, children, you know, get married to, um, 
Oh wait, actually, Trump's daughter is getting married today, oh, right? I, actually, I'm not sure. She doesn't have. Okay. Yeah, Tiffany is oh, okay. getting married. Maybe from maybe Baron. Maybe they the married Baron to yeah. some of the to some of the the Santis or young children, and then they can run. You know, they can unify the families and run a unity ticket. Or, you know, one wing wins conclusively by the end of 2023, hopefully, and then you can patch up and. Uh, you know, otherwise, I mean, this is this is a joke. In this type of inflation, in these fuel prices, uh, defeat in Afghanistan, another mm-hmm. war, you know, uh, to have, uh, you know, brain-dead candidates, literally just both the president and, you know, serious senatorial candidate. And you just, you get to, like, we're, we're talking about how even a wave would have been made, what, uh, 30 seats in the Congress and five seats swing in the mm. Senate and that's the wave or that's, that would have been a deluge and you got what like uh, 15 or 12 seats swing in the Congress and nothing no, in the, in the, in the, in the House we'll be lucky if we get eight so uh, yeah and, and zero in the Senate so actually we might even yeah. lose one in the Senate so yeah no but yeah I, look yeah, you so know, it's yeah, the United States can be blamed for plenty of things uh, you know in, in the United States and around the world um, but mm. I think the United States has also been a force f- for good when you take a look at, you know, um, the, you know, yeah, it used to be, sorry, it used, used to be, be yeah. yeah, well, I, mean, I think it still is, but, but, uh, but don't, don't put all the blame on the United States. I mean, Macedonians, there's plenty of blame amongst the ethnic Macedonians. If you didn't have so many stupid people yeah. in the, in Sidisa that thought that, you know, that yeah, we, we, we yeah. can actually please the State Department by giving the State Department and the EU whatever they want, yeah. knowing that the State Department will never love you. The European Union will yeah, never love yeah, you. Yeah. These idiots in Sudasa leftists, I mean, ultimately, if there's something wrong on the planet, I blame generally leftists, progressives, Democrats, Sudasa, yeah. whatever. Uh, and I also blame the, I mean, the other issue that Macedonia has, unfortunately, is an Listeners, listen very careful to what I say. The other issue that Macedonia has that is a huge problem is the ethnic Albanian parties. I did not say ethnic Albanians. Mm. I said the parties, the leadership of the parties, mm. because they are they are not ideological in terms of the way we think of Sidisa and Vomero, for instance. They've got very distinct um, uh, platforms on how they see the future of the country, the vision. The ethnic Albanian parties in Macedonia, their vision of the future is give us stuff. Our people are too stupid to know better. Uh, we're going to be condescending pricks and just give us stuff like your example there with Dewey and mm. the jobs. Air traffic controllers to yeah. incompetent children <laughs> that, that never even flown a, in a plane before and you want them running the bloody air traffic control? Yeah, to your point, maybe it will take a plane crash. Uh, hopefully it's not one that I'm on yeah. or my friends are on. Uh, yeah. But bloody hell, this is... the. This is a problem that Macedonia has that they've got to figure out what to do about these stinking parties that, that uh, mm. you know, if you don't get 61 seats, if, if an ethnic Macedonian party and its coalition doesn't get 61 seats, you have to have a coalition with ethnic Albanian parties that just say, give us stuff. They have no ideology mm. other than give us stuff. Maybe that's the title of this podcast. I don't know. Now I'm, now I'm, now I'm upset uh, because I'm sick and tired of these parties. <laughs> And I'm sick and tired of ethnic Macedonians that, that you know, that, that uh, 
make common cause with the State Department or the EU and the ethnic Albanian parties that don't actually give a damn about Macedonia. End of rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Well, we're running, we're okay. running long here. Uh, about fifty-five minutes, I think, so far. So, uh, let's wrap this up, I guess. And you know what? If we do this in two weeks, maybe then we'll know the results of the U.S. elections. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, it might be nice to, <laughs> to know what we're talking about. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 just. Uh, the the result the, the state of the counting is the story exactly yeah. yeah and it's happening again and it will happen again and uh uh well i mean it's uh, i did not see this coming all of nobody this. did Beca- becoming the future of uh, uh of our planet and uh and of the western world that the u.s is now such an aggressive exporter of aggressive ideologies and that Itself, it has this uh, careful. It's, it's level of dysfunction. It's, it's not the U.S. that's the exporter. It is the left in the U.S. that's the exporter. So. Yeah, yeah, of course, of so. course, of course. I mean, but they hold the system. You need, you need to take the system away from them, at least, uh, or maybe at least for the four years that you hold it, that uh, you can actually use it. And this is what the, we're talking the, the, about. There, we there, need to... there are bright spots. I mean, look at Matt Walsh and the work he's doing uh, on the trans issue in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, he course, got Vanderbilt course. University to shut down its transient of the children program. And the legislature in Tennessee is looking into it. I mean, there are, there are bright spots, and but it's you know as we've talked about many times in this podcast, it's a constant fight. You know, there's there's never a decisive victory. It's always you're always going to get pushback from these, from these uh, nihilists and brutalists on the left that um, mm. you know their march towards so-called utopia, which means literally no place. Anyway, all right. I'm about ready to go okay, on another rant right there. So. <laughs> let's not start the podcast again. Let's not re- restart the podcast. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll see what's happening. Yep. Okay, and we'll reconvene in uh, Sounds two good. weeks or so. All right, take care. Yeah. Okay, buddy, take care.